What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Broken Tables Podcast. This is episode number 95. I am your host, Jeffrey Vegas, here as always with our co-host, King Rome. How you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing pretty damn good. And might I add the reigning, defending, Broken Predictions champion, King Rome. Thank you. All right. Welcome, everybody, to our AEW Dynamite review. Um, This was the Dynamite in Indianapolis, I believe. Uh, really, really, really good crowd here tonight. I was very proud of this crowd. Um, they, there was one match in particular that usually doesn't get very much love from the crowd, you know, and it's, it's the women's match around nine fifteen, nine twenty ish. And they did their jobs tremendously tonight in that crowd. They were, they were on their feet for this match. They were cheering for Willow the entire time. So great job to the crowd here in Indianapolis. Um, we got Coach Nick in the chat already and the Coog. The Coog says, I can watch an entire two hours or 120 minutes of AEW Dynamite with the Elite and Death Triangle going at it. Hammer and tong. They have raised the bar for trios matches in AEW. This best of seven series is boss. Dude, I think I said it last week. Like, Normally when we get more than three matches between a team, we're always kind of like, oh, God, let's finish this. I could watch these guys wrestle till the end of time, dude. These three versus these three is incredible. <laughs> you know, Jeff, I said it when they announced the best of seven series, when they showed it on that board at full gear, I was like, the, oh my God, they're yeah. really going to go. They're going to go, you know, maybe seven games. We don't know. Um, <laughs> that being said, like, yeah, this is an absolute incredible episode of dynamite. Uh, it really flew by. I can't believe that that was two hours of television. Seriously. I, I, I really just don't believe it. I'm still in shock. Um, a lot of excellent stuff was done, both uh, promo-wise and match-wise. Uh, really good episode. And the Coog is right. Uh, the, Elite, the Elite and Death Triangle are just killing it right now. They're they're just going at it. And every match has had its own unique feel to it. Um, and tonight's no different. Ah, absolutely. Uh, nice haircut, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get started with the uh, Dynamite review. Um, We started right off the bat with John Moxley making his way to the ring to cut a promo. Um, (laughs) Coog says the rest of the AEW trios need to raise their game. Hey, man, 
I mean, the rest of the trios that are out there are pretty good to me too. You know, you got Top Flight with uh, AR Fox. I, I hope that becomes a permanent trio. Um, you got all kinds of guys out there that it's just it's just going to be a great great future for the trios division. I can't wait. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Mox says he grew up about ninety miles away from Indianapolis. Uh, he wrestled a lot of matches there when he was coming up in the Indies. Um, and he says, you know, he is, uh, the AEW ring belongs to Moxley. He said, this is his ring and there's nobody in that locker room. That's got the balls to tell him otherwise. Uh, and whose music do we hear the hangman, Adam page, man. I was so happy to hear his music. Uh, we haven't seen him since the concussion where he was KO'd versus Moxley in that match. Uh, you know, about a month or two ago, uh, really nice to see him come out. And he didn't even say a word. Uh, Moxley kind of got in his face and said, uh, do you even remember what happened last time? You know, and Hangman just started beating the snot out of him. So we got a nice brawl in the ring. We got all the locker room security guards come out and separate everybody. I thought this was a fantastic segment to get Moxley away from MJF for now. Um, you know, it even gets Moxley away from Regal at the same time. Um, I, I thought this was fantastic. Yeah, uh, just extremely well-booked show in general, an extremely well-booked segment, uh, just all around really good. It, having Hangman come back uh, was obviously really exciting. I'm really happy to, as the uh, the resident Hangman fan, uh, super happy that he's back and that he's healthy. Um, and I think that him go, feuding with Mox without a title is a really exciting idea, and I'm Perfect. very much looking forward to seeing where this goes in the future. Um, and you know, also it's smart to take that real life thing and make money off of it. It's what you do, you know. Yep. So they have this built-in feud where Hangman's pissed. He put a uh, Mox put him on the shelf, and he's not happy about that. No, yeah, absolutely. All right. So um, after this, we got Dax Harwood versus Brian Danielson. This was uh, one of those dream matches that I didn't know was a dream match until Dax asked for it. You know what I mean? Like, it was one of those that when I saw it on paper, I was just like, how did I not ever see this already since we've had Danielson here? Or how did I not, like, beg them to do this by now, you know? Um, and it was everything I had hoped it would be. This was incredible. Uh, the crowd was chanting, this is awesome, the moment that they locked up in the ring. Like, th th this was just, this was an incredible match. Um, what, what, what's your take on this one? No, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I thought the match started a little slow for my liking. Um, but, I mean, I think the second half was really, really good. I thought it was a really strong second half to the match. Um, excuse me. Jeez, find a little bit of a sore throat tonight, so bear with me, folks. Um, Same. <laughs> well, you know, we, we, I've actually been dealing with it since, like, Saturday or Sunday, but for some reason tonight it's just i think i'm on the verge of kicking it because it's just kind of like a little raspy tonight but you know hanging in there anyways um but yeah i thought this match was really good i thought the second half really picked up uh and was really enjoyable uh and dax having a really strong year i mean he's definitely one of those guys in the contention for um or in the conversation for wrestler of the year I, I still wouldn't personally pick him over orange cassidy um but i mean he's having a great year and it's just another Another great match uh, under his belt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this was a great back and forth match. You know, neither guy held, uh, you know, held control for very long. They just beat the snot out of each other like most, like most of Danielson's matches. 
Um, you know, Dax put on another amazing performance trying to remind everybody, don't forget about him for wrestler of the year. Uh, but you know, of course, Brian Danielson, uh, gets him locked up in the label lock. Uh, Dax Harwood taps out and Brian Danielson is your winner for this match. Um, this was excellent. This was just excellent chain wrestling back and forth from both guy. Um, and, just fantastic. And because again, tonight is probably in hindsight, one of the most well-planned, well thought out shows prop, maybe almost ever. Uh, and here's, here's one of the ways it is. So they have Danielson. He wrestles this match, which means he is in the trainer's room later in the night yes. when something else happens. Yeah, just the thought process that they put into here. You know, we never look at something and we're like, did you guys not even pay attention to what you did a half an hour ago? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's all well thought out. I love it. Yeah. And the Coog says, uh, yeah. this is why I love Kenny and the Bucks. They're fans of Lucha Libre and Purorisu. And as EVPs have the power to bring those styles to the U.S. fans, the Lichpin showcasing international styles to the U.S. fans. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, uh, Danielson's chest. chest. Always yeah. like raw hamburger. Those <laughs> chops are lethal and tenderizing. Yeah, like uh, he's it's crazy. Danielson's chest. It, he's got that really thin, like pasty white chest, and they just they just tear it up every single time. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next up, we had Tony Schiavone backstage with Ricky Starks. And uh, Ricky Starks says he's joining the Dynamite Diamond Ring uh, Battle Royale, and he wants to take away everything from MJF. I fucking love this idea right here of Ricky Starks being like, I'm going to take your diamond ring and I'm going to take your belt. Like, this this was so... Uh, dude, my smile was ear to ear when Ricky said he was joining this Battle Royale. Yeah, I don't think that's the way they should go personally, but I do like the, I, I like uh, the sentiment behind it. Yeah, I don't think he's taking the belt from him, but it would be cool to see him take the diamond or possibly Ethan take the diamond. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not sure he needs both anymore. What I'm saying is, is I, so the way the battle royale works, so you know, is mm -hmm. the winner of the battle royale faces MJF in a non-title match for the ring. And oh. if, if that wrestler wins the beats MJF, they get the ring and therefore can challenge MJF for the world title whenever they want. Oh, wow. Okay. So thought, it's... Though, at least that was the way the commentary made it seem. Um, I, I... I could be mistaken, but that was the way the commentary made it seem. But then Ethan Page says he's going to win and then challenge it when is coming. But that's not going to work because next week is the last dynamite before winter is coming. So maybe I misheard the commentary wrong. Um, I'm not even sure. But my understand, I, I my understanding, and I guess we'll find out next week. My understanding was that the winner of the battle royale goes on to face MJF for the ring, and if 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 that person beats MJF, they can catch the ring in for a title shot against MJF whenever they want. Okay. Uh, let's see. Yeah, if there's anything uh, not correct there, someone let us know. But yeah, I, I definitely trust uh, what you heard. So <laughs> one or the other. But I mean, now I'm doubting myself because of the way Ethan Page was talking. Because he said that he was going to win the win the rank win the battle royale and then challenge for the world title the following week after he's done with Ricky. Well, I was just assuming MJF was out of the picture for the diamond ring now, and whoever got the diamond ring was going to be able to challenge for. 
Well, the title, so every but... year the MJF has defended the ring. MJF only won the initial Battle Royal. He hasn't been in the Battle Royal the last two years. He okay. defends it the following week, which is maybe that's why I'm picking that up. But yeah. I'm a, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. And maybe they probably could have uh, explained it better. Um, yeah, we'll figure it out by the end of the show. I'm sure somebody will help us out with that one. <clears throat> Uh, next up, we had a quick backstage. Uh, it looked like Hangman Page was being escorted out of the arena uh, when Mox showed up out of nowhere. We got another brawl for a few seconds between Hangman and Mox, so that was pretty cool. Um, next up after that, we got the JAS and Claudio with Wheeler Yuta having an interview with Renee Paquette. Um the JAS would not shut up for this interview, man. Like they just kept talking all four of them. And Renee Paquette finally was like, will you guys just shut up? And essentially uh Wheeler Yuta wants to challenge Daniel Garcia for the pure championship at final battle. And he says, if we beat you, uh, it's going to be a tag match. Wheeler Yuta and uh, Claudio Castagnoli versus Garcia. And I think it's going to be daddy magic. I couldn't exactly figure out who it's going to be, but they get it. Then he's going to get a chance at the uh, pure championship to regain his title. Um, what did you think of this? Cause I, I can't say I was like super into this here. Like just the way the JAS wouldn't shut up. I get that they kind of were doing it on purpose, but it was really annoying. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what they were going for. I didn't dislike yeah. uh, the JAS. I'm still a little, I'm still a little taken aback by the booking decision here. Um, I just don't see Claudio winning um, at final battle. I just, I'm just not seeing it. Um, and so to see Claudio have to join the JAS and be in a very similar situation to Matt Hardy and the firm right now, I, I, I don't know. I just, I'm not crazy about where it's going unless they're having Claudio beat Jericho, which I guess is plausible. But it's just, I don't know. It, it's just, it's something about it isn't really. It's not really point. lining up with what I think should happen or, like, I don't know. I mean, we'll have to see how it goes. I'm sure it'll be fine. But putting Claudio um, against Jericho at the pay-per-view, just still, just I just don't think that was the right booking decision. And I think that's my uh, my main issue. Um, the Kook saying, is final, final Battle available on Bleacher Report or Fight TV for pay-per-view? Yeah, I believe it's going to be available on all of those things. Yeah, I watch mine on Fight TV, I believe, is where I watch the Ring of Honor pay-per-views. Well, you've been you've been coming over for them. Yeah, yeah. When, when I was doing them on my own here, I, I watched them on uh, Fight TV. Yeah, I'm gonna. We're gonna be ordering it on pay per view here. I gotta get the curlies order ready. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to come over. I got a bunch of stuff to set up on on your end for uh mm. for like your own streams oh, yeah. and stuff. It's gonna be yeah, cool. I'm really excited for that stuff. All right. <laughs> so next up, we had Samoa Joe versus. AEW's newest signee, A.R. Fox. Oh, time out from the room. I just want to make sure we didn't miss this. Maybe I, like, blanked out while you talked about it. Did you talk about the Hangman and Mox were fighting again before the JAS segment? Yes, yes, I did. Okay. Um, yeah. One other thing about the JAS segment. Wheeler Yuta was fantastic during that. Yes, um, he was. I love that he just kind of, Claudio gets mad and just kind of leaves and Yuta just kind of like kind of goes to task on all of them and just yeah and he wasn't trip. afraid it was four on one and he wasn't scared at all like that's what I took from it I was like yeah <laughs> sorry I was trying to find out about the diamond battle royal when you were, must have said that <laughs> so no, you're good I, I went like maybe 15 seconds on it because it was just them brawling for a second and then they cut away 
is also really cool because once again, smart booking, Mox also out of the building. Yes, Mox was escorted out of the building with Hangman. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll get you guys will hear what we're talking about later on when we get to the MJF segment. We'll get we'll we'll kind of tie all of that together. Um, so yeah. AEW's newest signee, AR Fox, is all elite. Um, Samoa Joe versus AR Fox for the TNT Championship. And man, I posted in our Discord right before, you know, this signee, this signing, in my opinion, was an absolute no brainer. After seeing him when we saw him in person at Full Gear, um, that's just a no brainer. That guy was absolutely incredible. He's flawless in the ring. I have, I mean, I'm talking flawless. This dude is incredible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a great signing. Uh, you're seeing a, a really strong stream of signings here uh, this year with Tony Khan, where it's, they may not be the biggest names, but they're names that are really going to perform on the roster for you. You know, you, you go from your Swerve Stricklands to AR Foxes, Bandito, Willow Nightingale. Like, I mean, that's why it's good to have an alternative in pro wrestling because all these all these guys and, and girls are getting opportunities in the wrestling industry and they're getting paid, they're getting contracts, and Tony Khan just all around makes uh, the industry better. Yeah, that's, that's a good point right there. You know, AR Fox is one of those guys that I'm like, how have I never heard about this guy? You know what I mean? Like, for some reason, I had never seen clips of him on YouTube. Nobody had ever mentioned his name to me. And this dude comes out of nowhere and he becomes one of my favorite guys in AEW right now. Like, <laughs> I think that that's the beautiful thing about pro wrestling. And let me yeah. that. that's the beautiful thing about a healthy pro wrestling industry. Um, also kind of like the video game industry in a sense. It's like how these indie games kind of come out of nowhere and really surprise you. True, Check out yeah. the podcast on Monday nights, by the way. Um, that was a cheap plug. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, these things just pop up out of nowhere because there's so many places to work and so many things to watch. Like you can't possibly watch all of the wrestling, like unless you're literally like, that's all you do, which I mean, a lot of people do <laughs> me. I, me, I don't, I don't have the time to watch all of the rest. Um, but respect to those that do, but yeah, it's just, there's just so many people out there. Like I was, I didn't know AR Fox. He, uh, he trained um, Austin theory too. I learned. Okay. That I didn't even want to make my other point, but after hearing that, now I'm going to make my other point. How did the WWE not pick this dude up before? He fits everything they look for. Like he's got the body type. Like, uh. you know, that's a great question because he, especially because Air Fox is not a rookie. He's been doing it for I believe 15 years or so. Um, so maybe it, that's what it is. That age limit they have. That's got to be it. Right, but why did they pick him up before then? I mean, I guess maybe it just didn't line up. Um, yeah. The Kook saying uh, he's happy for AR Fox. Guy's been busting his behind in multiple indie promotions over the years. It's a feel-good moment, absolutely. He also says, uh, I know a lot of so-called fans hate on indie promotions, but these promotions are the grassroots. We all had to start somewhere. Yeah, uh, the Kook's just absolutely crushing it as usual. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, the, 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 a smart, healthy wrestling industry is just so important you need the indies you know you can't go and gobble up all the indies and sign them to your black and gold or rainbow brand whatever the fuck it is and and just be like oh well that's fine because then you like you know like it's just not healthy it's just not and like it's okay for 
WWE to have its developmental ter- uh, system. And it's okay for AEW to have its developmental system. But at the end of the day, you want to let these guys and girls go out there and and hone their craft. You know what I mean? Like, we like Kylan King's a great example. Like, Kylan King was in AEW during the pandemic. She was good. She had a lot of promise. They let her go. She came back for a few weeks, did some work with her AEW, and she did her best work in the company upon her return. You know, like, let these people go out there and get better and just the more places to work for them also, the better. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And who was it you said that uh, AR Fox trained? Uh, apparently it was Austin Theory. Austin Theory, okay. I, I was like, man, he actually uh, he did a spot tonight in that match that was very similar to a Ricochet spot. That's one of my favorite spots, you know, in, like, WWE history there. Um, so... Samoa Joe was on the outside of the ring. AR Fox did a front flip over the ropes and Joe did his uh, walk away spot, but Fox landed on his feet and then did like a front roll and kind of just turned and looked at him. Um, so both guys got to uh, pull a really cool spot right there. I love Joe's walk away spot. That's probably one of my favorite things that he does. Um, and you know, that that was a, a really cool uh, throwback to that ricochet spot from way back in the day in NXT. Yeah, I, I really love this match. I thought it was really good. Um, it went a lot longer than I was expecting, and I think that's why I liked it so much. I thought that this was going to be a really quick one, despite AR Fox just signing. Um, but they gave Fox some offense. They let the match go. It went past a commercial break. Uh, I I thought that this was just a really fantastic uh, match that exceeded what I expected it to be. And um, I think this is around the point that we hit that second hour of Dynamite. And... Um, it just tonight just flew by like it was just a blur a great blur but a blur <laughs> yeah absolutely uh so ar fox gets uh busted open at one point in the match here um, i'm not sure if it was from his nose or from his mouth uh but either way he eats a muscle buster and takes the one two three uh joe cuts a quick promo at the end of the match now i'm not sure if you caught this but he called himself the one true king. And uh, you know how I like my uh, Asmon Gold, my, you know, my Twitch streamers. Uh, Asmon Gold's company is actually called OTK, and it stands for one true king. So I just kind of like sat there and giggled for a moment. I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Well, he called um, himself that because he said he's the one true king of television. Yes, because, the one true king of television, yes. Because he's the Ring of Honor television champion and the TNT, which is AEW's television champion. Yep, yep. I just thought it was funny. You know, it kind of coincides there, so it was pretty cool. Uh, Wardlow pops up on the Jumbotron, uh, and he says he's coming for uh, his title back. So, you know, it looks like we're not done with Joe and Wardlow. And um, do you, what was it that you said? Do You you said you think you see him coming for the uh, Ring of Honor championship? No, I see them unifying the two belts, and I think Joe oh, that's doing right. that's that line said. kind of also goes with what I think they're going to do. Um, I could see Wardlow versus Joe at final battle for the Ring of Honor TV championship. Um, and I see Wardlow beating Joe at final battle. Then what I would do is, and again, this is just pure fantasy booking at this point. I would have them do a rubber match. Um, well, not really a rubber match because the first match was the three-way dance. But you get what I'm saying. You do a rematch. You unify the titles. Let's say New Year's Smash. Like which is usually the end of the last show of the year or the first show of the year next year, whatever it is, um, have them unify the titles there. Yeah, I think that's a great idea to unify those titles. Um, they might not. You know, that way, we. The problem is, is that they are going to separate the brand soon, so maybe they don't. 
I don't know. You know, this actually kind of gives me a little bit of an idea for remember when I was saying that they might turn Rampage into the Ring of Honor show? So if that happens, Rampage is on TNT, and that would actually make the unification of those titles make sense. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, what's going on, Sabak? Uh, what a great dynamite. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. We, are, we are working our way through it right now. It's just been a phenomenal show. All right. So next up, we got one of those uh, Will Hobbs video packages roaming through his um, city. Another amazing video package. Uh, basically, there was like a bunch of guys playing some dice in an alleyway. And he walked by and they all got all scared. Um, kind of like a Mike Tyson type vibe, you know, just as he was walking by, they're like, whoa, that's a bad dude. Better watch out for him. You know what I mean? I love these video packages. They're great. Whoever's doing the directing and everything, it's freaking fantastic. These video packages are just so good. And every week we see these Hob segments. They've been doing them for two or three weeks since full gear, before full gear. And I'm just consistently blown away with them. They are just, they are really well done. And they are putting over Hobbs. And now it seems like this is a ongoing uh, segment because they said to be continued. And there's more to come because he's walking into what looked like a barbershop. So, yeah, I mean, I'm all for this. I think that Hobbs has, it's just really impressive because usually what we're conditioned to what we're conditioned to expect from, you know, mostly WWE booking, but usually when you have a great tag team, you know, a la Team Taz, and they break up, usually the idea is one of them is a star, and they, you know, get elevated. The other one kind of finds a new gimmick and then just kind of, you know, doesn't do anything. But, like, God damn it! like, this team broke up, and both of these guys are just shooting upwards. Like, it... It's wild to me, and it's really awesome to see how far Hobbs has come. Uh, you know, him especially being—he was one of those guys that was there, pandemic era on the darks, on those two and a half hour darks. Like that's how you know you're a real one in AW. If you watch those two and a half hour darks back during the pandemic, yeah, because Tony Khan was like, uh, Tony Khan's a great guy, and he wanted to make sure everybody got work during the pandemic, so he would bring in everybody on the roster. He would bring in a shit ton of extras, and they would literally film like three hours of dark a week and that was before elevation was a thing so they were literally every tuesday like a three hour drop of like a bunch of enhancement matches would just show up on tuesdays on youtube um and to see that hobbs that will hobbs he i think even he was willie hobbs when he first started um yeah big willie hobbs yeah and just to see him start there and then like you know he he gets the spot with uh where he gets the team with darby and mox and then he turns on them and joins team taz and like just to see them him go from that to the feud with ricky to these video packages like it's kind of crazy to see and it also is like you know props to AEW because like they're getting their guys over at the same time i know a lot of people um most of them are bad faith fans or bad faith people in general um they'll sit here and be like oh well all these wwe guys get AEW." AW is pushing their own guys just as much as WWE guys. So I don't know what to tell you. They, yeah, absolutely. Shade is a homegrown talent, the acclaimed homegrown talent, Hobbs homegrown talent. Like, and those are guys that specifically, yeah. like, they weren't anywhere else. You could even say, like, I could understand you arguing Ricky Starks isn't homegrown because he did some time in NWA and other things. Like, other guys like that, sure. But, like, these are talent that were like, really not doing anything super big before AEW. So. 
this is a testament to <clears throat> Taz. <clears throat> I really think Taz has an effect on anybody he touches, man. Everybody in Team Taz is, you know, in a prominent role right now. You know, we could say like Brian Cage isn't really in a prominent role, but he's definitely the front runner of that embassy, which when Ring of Honor takes off, we're going to see a lot more of. Um, and, you know, right after this Will Hobbs video, we got one of my favorite things that I've seen in AEW all year. We got a video package of Taz kind of like explaining how Hook submitted Lee Moriarty, how he reversed that submission and they did this really cool, like, you know, like, like, you know, I don't even know what to call it. It was like magnification and like zeroing in on uh, the wrist lock and analysis. Yeah. The analysis for this was awesome. It felt like a UFC type analysis, you know, but even a step above that, I want to see more of this. I want to see them give it a name. Um, I can't even come up with one, but you know, I want them to come up with a name like Taz's you know, submission and analysis or whatever, you know, I'm terrible at names. So yeah, but I, I this... think that Taz is one of those guys, especially from his experience. He's a guy that grounds pro wrestling in terms of the play by play calling. Like when he's yeah. calling it, he's calling it as a guy that was in there doing these things in the ring with experience. Um, and I, yeah, I just, I think in general, it's just great. And uh, it, it's a, great combination of commentary you have on dynamite you have taz who's the in-ring experienced guy you have excalibur who did wrestle in the past but excalibur is the knowledgeable guy about the you know about the art of pro wrestling and then you have giovanni who's the storyteller you know you put all three of them together and it's just it's really phenomenal it's a really phenomenal team um which we'll talk about later i have some thoughts on tony Shivani later on um but yeah man taz is just really good and i love this spot um, and obviously they don't really call it the, the Kaja Hajime anymore, but when Taz is talking about hook putting on the, uh, the Kaja Hajime, I'm just like, Oh yeah. It's a good feeling. Yep. That was excellent. Excellent segment. One of my favorite things of the year. I hope they do some more of those. Yeah. The kook said, uh, he was pretty much living at Daly's place on YouTube during the pandemic. Kept a lot of us wrestling fans sane during those dark days of isolation. Absolutely. man. The dark days, man. You know, I kind of I kind of live the isolation life anyway, so you know, wasn't too much, <laughs> wasn't super different for me. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. So like the problem with me was I worked in service at the time, so oh, like yeah, yeah. for me, I was dealing with people every day. So for me, you know, that's not, a huge change. <laughs> not to get super personal, you know, but I mean, the pandemic was it wasn't really so much about isolation for me as it was like I don't want to say paranoia. It's not paranoia, but it was just, it was a feeling of constant uneasiness when yeah. not home. You know what I mean? Like, yep. it was just yep. always, I get that. especially in the early days when you didn't really know anything. I mean, obviously, as, as time went on, we learned more about it and things like that. But, like, funny story. I'll never forget the day where, like, everything shut down because I was working that day. And it's completely off topic, but it's a funny story, so I might as well tell yeah. it. Um, you know, I was, so I was a general manager, uh, for a fast food chain. And so my wife worked in a school and she called me or texted me and saying like, everybody's getting sent home. The schools are closing. We don't know when they're opening back up. And I'm like, what? You're like, what? <laughs> and like, mind you, it's like, I'm standing there with like three other people and we're all getting, cause like my one employee had like daughters 
who like her husband texted her like i have to go pick up the kids and like someone else got a text from like their brother and it was just like we're all like trying to figure this out while getting through like a thousand dollar hour in sales for lunch and it's like i'm like handing food to customers and like i'm like oh like this person might have something that i know nothing about and then they left yeah. and then i did it to the next one <laughs> then the next one yeah um crazy times but yeah uh that that aw really really helped get through those bad oh, absolutely those and, bad you know times. kudos to them for keeping so many wrestlers employed during that time man like unlike yeah. some uh some other companies you know firing people by the dozens <laughs> but we won't get into that we'll get into our next segment here which was William Regal in the ring introducing our new AEW world champion MJF. <clears throat> MJF came out in this black pinstripe suit and his Burberry scarf. That black pinstripe suit, did you notice anything about those pinstripes? Yes, it was it said better than you. It took me a while to figure out what they said. I was like wishing I could zoom in on my TV, but yes, the pinstripes did say better than you. This was the coolest suit I have ever seen. It's got to be a one of a kind. I, I doubt there's anyone else with it. No, um, I want it. I want it. I want it really bad. <laughs> I really, if I can find it, I swear I'm going to buy one. Um, so MJF comes out and let me, you know, in the ring, there is a pedestal with what looks to be a new championship belt underneath. At least that's what I thought it was right away. Um, he comes out and uh, MJF says, you know, he is the change that AEW needed. And he says the belt needs an upgrade as well. And he reveals the new belt, which is the same belt but with a Burberry leather strap. I freaking love this thing, but it's, it's pretty ugly. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta admit it's kind of ugly, but I absolutely love it. What did you think of the belt? Well, so for the belt itself, um, yeah, I hate it, but that's the point. <laughs> uh, you got absolutely the point. Um, that's, yeah, that's not, the point. You're not supposed to like it. If you like it, then you're, you know, that's fine. But the, the point of it is that you're not supposed to like it. Uh, I'm going to kind of have like a kind of retrospect kind of recap on my thoughts on all this. Um, oh. But yeah, he basically disrespects the AW World Heavyweight Championship belt, uh, throws it to the ground and grabs his title belt, uh, which he uh, he dubs the Big Burberry belt, the Triple B. Um, triple B. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, he's... I, I'm always very um, cautious about specified, like specialized belts for champions. Um it's always just something that kind of, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Maybe it's because like the John Cena thing where they, they gave Cena the spinner belt and then they like kept it as the spinner belt. Yeah. Even when everybody else was champion, like seeing Randy Orton while he's like crazy or like triple Paul walking around with that belt, the spinner belt never made an ounce of sense to me. No, that was horrible. That's why when when The Rock got rid of that thing, I was like, "Thank God!" And then they had unveiled that monstrosity. But you know, that's that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. But so, I mean, that's the point of the belt. You're not really supposed to like it. Um, and you know, you know, it's setting up for a really uh, like a way down the line spot when somebody beats MJF, they're going to bring out the the old title. 
and everyone absolutely will be like, yeah the yeah. belt that we love you know probably shivani will say that yeah absolutely um so after this um mjf said something that I felt like was a direct attack on myself and possibly you as well. He says, Brian Danielson couldn't wrestle his way out of a paper bag. I was taken aback by this. I like audibly gasped in my seat. I was like, oh, how dare he? Um, it was one of the first times where MJF was being a heel. And I truly was like, boo, boo this man. <laughs> Um, so that was really good for him to finally hit a chord that actually, you know, made me not want to cheer him for a few moments there. Um, he says his reign of terror has just begun. Um, he mentions Nick Khan, Triple H, Hulk Hogan, JBL, Jeff Jarrett, Bruno San Martino. Um, he gets the crowd to cheer for William Regal. And as the crowd is cheering for Mr. Regal, he hits him in the back of the neck with the brass knuckles. Knocks him out cold in the middle of the ring. And then reads, basically quotes the email Regal sent to him, but the other way around where it was as if it was from MJF to Regal. This, this was uh, unexpected, yet... I saw it coming like through the promo. I saw it coming, but I didn't expect this before tonight at all. Um, this was wild. Uh, what did you think about the turn here? All right. So here's the thing, right? How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing excellent, sir. This promo. It, it, in terms of like my enjoyment of it, it's not like the best promo of all time. Um, in terms of rewatchability, probably the same. Um, much like you, there was a lot of points to wearing this segment that I wanted to, where I really didn't like MJF, where I really fucking hated MJF. Yeah. Um, which is exactly what he was fucking going for. Um, the amount of people that this got this. Okay. So this may be one of the, if not the greatest heel solidification segments of all time. This guy, this motherfucker, went out of his way to make almost every single person who legitimately watches AEW to hate him. Um, let, me, let me run down what I mean by that, right? So, going through the segment, obviously, like you said, we start with Regal and MJF hugging. He builds up Regal. Um, you know, he talks about Regal told MJF, don't grab the diamond ring, grab the brass ring, which is kind of an, an homage to what um you know vince used to tell his his independent contractors um he, he tells he tells the fans that he's not going to chase the firm because that would take effort and effort is for pores um mjf is you know he he brings out this burberry strap completely shits on AEW's history shits on all of the champions who held it uh which is you know chris jericho mox kenny omega Hangman, he just shits on all of them. CM Punk, all of them. Um, you know, he, he brings up being the the champ, and he's going to use it for the bidding war of 2024. Um, shouts out the game trips and jolly old Saint Nick Khan, uh, and then he teases that he might even go part time. He's saying, you know, come 2024, maybe there isn't a winner. Maybe I just go to Hollywood. Um, 
so he does an incredible job of making everybody hate him, including when he knocks out William Regal. So this guy, he shit on AEW, the company. He shits on Tony Khan. He shits on the popular talent that are that that the fan base loves. He shits on Eddie Kingston, says he'll never win a world title. Shits on Ricky Starks, currently the most over up and coming young guy. He shits on Brian Danielson, like you said, um, the greatest wrestler of all time and in the world today. Um, he he shits on AEW fans by teasing that he's going to leave and go to WWE. Uh, he's teasing on he's shitting on wrestling fans in general by teasing he's going to be a part-timer. He teases, um, he references Conor McGregor, so the MMA fans are going to get mad too at him. Um, he shits on his own fans. He calls them fickle and, you know, just shits on them. Uh, he shits on older fans by saying that Bruno San Martino is going to roll in his shitty fucking grave. Like that, I gasped at that one. I'm like, yeah. Right now, Jim Cornette is fucking, like, he's, like, falling off his fucking chair, off his fucking rocker. Um, and then, just to, like, before he goes in the ring, he's throwing gum at fans. Um, he brings out this new belt that's just obnoxiously bad. Um, just, like, I, I probably don't even have everything in my notes for this. Um, yeah. he, he, um, you know, he knocks out Regal, which he puts over Regal and then knocks him out. Uh, in a very heinous way, and obviously the commentary did a fantastic job. Tony Schiavone deserves a fucking medal for his work in this in this segment. Uh, just really helping to get that over. Um, they take their time selling the the Regal injury with him being stretchered off and loaded in the ambulance. Uh, and as MJF's leaving the the arena, he shoves a fan. Um, there is so much shit here to unpack that this guy did in one segment. You know, he, he just, like, I don't know anybody who likes AEW and watches AEW that he didn't shit on here. Like, right. he just, he does it all. He does absolutely everything. Um, not only is he doing the chicken shit heel thing, he's attacking everybody. He's, you know, he's just shitting on everybody. He sets up feuds with all these guys, and it's just incredible. Yeah, absolutely, you know, and... uh as Regal's laying there and MJF's making his way through the crowd, he pushes the fan, like you said. Um, Danielson comes running out, and you know you can see that he was in the trainer's room getting patched up, and they mentioned it on commentary, which is kind of what we were talking about earlier, how this tied into this. You know, Remember when Mox wanted to beat up uh, Regal? Danielson came out to stop him. Here, Danielson didn't have a chance to because he was in the trainer's room, and, you know, there's probably not a TV in there for him to see what's going on. So somebody must have told him what was going on, you know, and he finally made his way to the ring there. Um, this was great, you know, and Mox was escorted out of the arena earlier from the hangman, you know, battle that he was involved in. So, you know, just like what, what you were saying earlier, just the way that they think about things later in the show was just definitely front and center here tonight. It was great. <clears throat> This was an amazing segment. Uh, we go to commercial seeing uh, Regal being put on a stretcher. We come back from the commercial and actually see Danielson beside himself, basically watching Regal getting put into an ambulance. Um, and he crawls into the ambulance with them and they ride off. So, man, I'm, I'm, 
I really hope they're not writing off Regal here. Like, it seems like he's being written off a TV for a little while at the least. But I think more than likely we might see Regal return with Danielson here. Um, And then we'll get a Danielson versus Mox feud possibly in the future or something. I'm not sure, but I really hope Regal's still going to be, you know, involved. Yeah, I'm a little... um... I'm a little curious about Regal's um, position in the company at this point. I mean, yeah. uh, the Observer said he signed a three-year deal when he debuted this year, uh, back in March or May, whatever it was. Um, so, or February, it's February. So, I mean, you got to think he's going to be with the company for another two years. Um, I mean, it's basically so. speculation from from Stanford and their fan base is that he might be joining rejoining triple pinocchio paul um i don't i don't know why tony would let him go i mean tony hasn't let anybody else go so i don't know why tony would let regal go um maybe if they sign some sort of nda where it's like regal's not allowed to be on screen for anything and they just kind of have him there i mean maybe but i don't know like it it is weird because they have him turn on mox and then he turns and then mjf turns on him so that kind of does leave him in a weird spot. And, I mean, I guess the Blackpool Combat Club is just breaking up. I mean, Claudio is most likely joining yeah. the JAS. Maybe Regal does it. just end up with Danielson. I mean, maybe, you, maybe you're right about that, and that's just kind of the, the way they go. But it, it is very yeah. interesting. You really can't call it Blackpool without Regal. Like, he is the Blackpool part of the Combat Club, so. <laughs> right. But, uh... Speaking of, um, you know, not letting people go, um, do you notice Andrade? He posted, um, I think it was an Instagram post of himself in a hospital bed saying that he had torn his pec a while back and he's finally getting the surgery. Um, never heard anything about the injury. Um, I thought it was a little weird to yeah. all of a sudden, you know, be posting about it, but maybe he hasn't just been sent home. You know what I mean? Maybe he actually has like a legit injury. No, I, I do think he was um I don't know. It's a very weird situation because yeah. I don't I don't know. It's just I mean, it, I'm it, assuming he was sent home for a certain amount of time, but maybe the extended amount that he's been gone is probably to this injury. You know? No, I think we'll see, I don't know. Again, it's just it's really weird and I'm just not sure. I don't really have an opinion on it because it's just very weird timing. Like this guy yeah. was literally supposed to wrestle Preston Vance before he got sent home. And so like he he was he dealing with this torn pack. Apparently he, he they're saying he injured the torn pack um in August. Okay. So if he if you know if he injured himself in August He's been walking around with a torn pec since August, and not only that, but like, like he was scheduled to wrestle on AEW television. Like, I don't know, something about it just doesn't really line up. And then also the thought of him now getting it taken care of, which does that mean that AEW is going to extend his contract because they have done that and will continue to do that, and they should do that. Yeah. Um, does that mean Andrade will sit at home for longer? Like, I'm, I don't know. It's a very weird situation. It was. It definitely made me, like, my head tilt like a dog that heard a whistle. I was like, huh? Yeah. Like, when the, <laughs> when the news came out, I was very confused. I was like, is he, is he really hurt? Or, like, is he blaming AEW, like, just to blame them? Like, did he get hurt somewhere else? Like, was it really a torn pack? Or did he just, like, did he have some lingering injuries that he decided to get cleaned up? Like, 
Yeah. I don't know. Well, the way he said it, it, he made it sound like he was afraid to get the surgery. He was like, for the first time in my life, I'm getting surgery. Oh, this is crazy. I, I was guess just so, like, oh, that's but... out of nowhere. Had no idea you were even hurt, bud. All right. <laughs> yeah. Part of me is, I- I'm slightly questioning it. Like, I mean, at the end of the I mean, day, I'm I not... couldn't care less. I'm not questioning the injury. I'm just kind of like, where'd this come from? You know what I mean? That's like, what I mean. That's what I mean yeah, when I say yeah. I'm questioning it. I'm not, I'm not questioning that he got surgery or was hurt. No, yeah, questioning yeah. Like, when did this, when did this injury really happen? Like you're saying exactly. it happened on a dynamite show in August, but like, when, like this, so the AW, like the AW doctors didn't notice anything, or you didn't say anything to them, or like. Is that why you weren't on TV? Because you were hurt? Like, 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 there's just it. It adds like a bunch of questions to this situation um, that I honestly just don't care to talk about anymore. So. No, yeah, we'll we'll get some more info soon. I hope, but it was definitely just something that popped into my head when you said he doesn't release anybody there. All right, next up we got Ricky Starks versus Ari Davari. And uh, you were mentioning to me earlier today that some people on Twitter had some problems with this match being like, this doesn't make sense in the storyline. What does this have anything to do with the storyline? And I'm like, he's our number one contender and we're showcasing him. That's what it has to do with. Like, come on, people, use your brains. Don't 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 sit there and wait for, you know, Michael Cole or somebody to like spell everything out for you or you shouldn't even need Excalibur to spell it out for you. This was very plain and simple, a showcase for Ricky Starks, who is our number one contender, who will be in the Dynamite Diamond ladder match and will be in the World Championship match against MJF at Winter is Coming. So that's not even, wasn't even a question in my brain of why this match was happening. <laughs> now, I will say this, and I'm sure they have time to, to rectify it on probably not this Friday on Rampage, but the following Friday on Rampage. I do think that they are giving Ricky Starks uh, a very unusual low amount of promo time leading to his match with MJF. I think there's an opportunity to give him more mic time here, and yeah. they're not doing it. Um, I don't have a problem with him wrestling the match, but uh, I, I do I do have a little bit of a critique there where I think it would make a lot more sense to give him a promo, like a full promo against MJF before this match in two weeks. I agree, actually. I think after this match was over with, you know, Ethan Page. Uh, so we'll, we'll, let's get to that part here. Um, so Ricky Starks absolutely squashes Ari Davari. Um, and Ethan Page comes out with Stokely Hathaway um, and Matt Hardy. Uh, Matt Hardy said, or I'm sorry, Matt Hardy does his delete thing kind of out in front of everybody. And Stokely's like, get your ass back to the back. Um Ethan says he's going to win the Dynamite Diamond Championship match, and then he's going to go on to face uh, MJF. But, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. By the way, Ethan Page's shirt, that half black and half white roses, that shirt was amazing. If anybody knows where I can find that, please let me know. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, Ricky Starks absolutely squashes Ari Davari, just destroys him. And then I wanted him to cut a promo after this. I really wanted Ricky to, to hop on the mic. And like you just said, give him some more time on the mic. Would have been nice to see him jump on the mic real quick and just just cut a promo on Ethan Page. You know, like, I'm going to beat your ass in that Dynamite Diamond match. You, you know, you should be scared to be in that match with me. Yeah. You know, that's what I was hoping to see. But you know, it's okay. Not, not a huge deal, but I do agree with you. I 
also really just think that the firm still worked for MJF. Yeah. <laughs> well, after the Regal attack, I was like, "There." So you mean to tell me that MJF, as a heel world champion, has nobody watching his back right now? I don't know about that. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. All right. Next up, we had Tony Schiavone with uh, Britt Baker, Jamie Hader, and Rebel in the back. Um, they were basically saying since um, you know, there's going to be an interview with uh, Soraya and Renee Paquette that you know we should have an interview with Jamie Hader and Tony Schiavone. So we're going to get an interview with uh, Tony Schiavone and Jamie Hader. That's fine. It it is what it is. Uh, I I actually really want to see this um Jamie Hader match. Uh, is she, is she going to be facing Soraya? Do you think? Like, is that what we're going after here? Or? Um, it feels like it. It does, doesn't it? I don't know if they do that. I don't know. I I wouldn't do that so soon. I feel like they should not, but it does feel like that's what we were kind of getting at. But we'll see. I mean, I'm okay if they do it, but yeah, I, I think that's what it feels like. Yeah. All right. Next up, we had Anna JAS versus Willow Nightingale in another great women's division match. And like I was saying earlier, the crowd was very into this match. Uh, the cr- the crowd was chanting Willow, Willow mo- multiple times during this match. Um, this was great. They they filled in like a good 10 minutes uh, through a full commercial break. Um, the crowd was very audible during the entire match. So, you know, kudos again to the crowd in Indianapolis tonight. This was great. Uh, Willow hits the doctor bomb, gets the one, two, three. And all of a sudden, as soon as... Uh, Soon as Willow gets out of the ring, Ty Mello hops in the ring after her, but Ruby Soho's music hits and she appears behind Tay Mello and uh, she gets the beat down on Ty Mello. She hits the destination unknown out on the ramp and uh, KOs Ty Mello. And we got a really, really funny camera shot of Ty laying on the, she was laying out there on the uh, ramp her eyes were just like rolling around in her head, all KO'd. Uh, that was actually really funny. I, I started laughing in my seat pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so touch on something that the coop just said. Uh, this is a lot of folks on Twitter were complaining that Brit is hogging the spotlight from spotlight from hater. Like guys, that's the point. Yeah. I thought the exact same thing and saw that as well. And just, people just, that's how dumb these people on Twitter are. I don't even pay any attention to them anymore. People are just not very bright. And yeah, it's just like, you understand that that's the point. Jamie hater is the people's champ. Britt is going to interrupt her because she's a heel. And yeah, that's how they're going to eventually break up. And exactly. She keeps on jumping in to speak right when it's Jamie haters turn to speak. Britt jumps in like it's obvious. Come on, people. Come on. <laughs> so the crew also says Taz singing Ruby's song is just gold. Yeah. So that's a throwback or an homage to dark uh, every week. It's yeah. Calvin, Taz just Taz is always singing people's song. He sung Willow's song too. And they, they said, um, uh, musical jones which is yeah. their, their, their you know, joke just, it yeah. really felt to me right there like tony was in taz's ear and he was just like taz sing the song sing the song because he he, he kind of did it like all right all right <laughs> yeah i think taz was like is this a, a tv thing like can i do this on tv because like tv and dark are two different things yeah and but yeah i'm glad that he uh he did it because it's good yep absolutely <laughs> All right, next up, we had Tony Schiavone with an interview uh, backstage with Orange Cassidy and QT Marshall. Um, And QT was complaining that everybody is interrupting him. So he goes to 
you know, advise Orange Cassidy that he wants a match for the championship. And before he can even get it out of his mouth, Orange is like, yeah, sure, whatever, you got it. And he's like, no, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lumberjack match. And he's like, cool, whatever, lumber match, lumberjack match, you got it. Interrupting him multiple times again. This was great. I freaking love this Orange Cassidy stuff. Shivani <laughs> also cuts off. Because yeah. <laughs> QT's like, why isn't Shivani's like, and then it looks like we have a match set for ramp. Yeah. And QT's like, that's pretty easy, huh? <laughs> QT is such a great geek. He is, he is, you know, and I hope if QT ever watches, you know, when we chant QT sucks, you know, we, we don't truly, truly mean it, QT. You are you are a great talent, but it's definitely fun to chant QT sucks. So Oh yeah, I don't think QT sucks. I'm no, not no, that he's guy. great. He's, I think he's pretty good. All right. Next up we had Jade Cargill coming out to the ring for her championship uh celebration. Looking absolutely incredible in a green fur coat and i don't even know how to describe what else she was wearing it looked like a silver bikini but it was a skin tone bodysuit that kind of had dollar bills over her uh her private parts is what we will say there yeah <laughs> what's that was it a bodysuit yeah, so the skin part from the neck down was actually beige-colored uh, fabric, yes. Uh, it took me a minute to figure that out, but yes, yes, it was. Um, she looked absolutely incredible. She cut a really, really good promo on herself, you know, saying uh, how great she was, essentially. Um, but the moment the Bow Wow stuff started, I was kind of just like, what? Um, Bow Wow came up on the Jumbotron I don't know where he was, but he was, his background was like some weird, um, like steel wall that had like smudges and I don't even know where he was. It looked like he was backstage at some concert or something, but it was a great promo by Jade. But once the Bow Wow stuff started, I was just kind of like, whatever. <laughs> I think I might be putting too much into this and you can, you can stop me if you want. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so I'm watching this. Jade's promo. Very good promo. Excellent promo. Um, the promo is basically that nobody is a star like me. Nobody's on my level. There's no one in pro wrestling that can that, that can hit my star power um, at all. Right? That's number one. I didn't even think of it until you just said, started this. Keep going. Number two. She was wearing fucking money. She was. She was fucking wearing money. She was fucking wearing money. Number three, this shit with Bow Wow. You know, I, he's I don't related know. to Snoop Dogg too. Yeah. Holy shit! I'm getting goosebumps right now, dude. How did I not notice this? Well, you see, Jeff, this is why I am the broken predictions champion because I sit here week in, week out. And you know what? I watch the shows and I use my brain and I analyze and I'm in the film room with the coach every single fucking Thursday morning. I'm in the film room. Coach is bringing in the coffee and I'm just like, I'm exhausted, you know, and I'm, but I'm like, you know what? Got to do it. And, you know, I would like to say that I'm going to call my shot right now, Jeff. I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to do a Babe Ruth right here. You ready for this? Pointing out into the fucking that's where the home run's going, Jeff. I'm at the plate. I'm about to swing. It's coming. 
winter is coming, Mercedes Monet, accompanied by Bow Wow and Snoop Dogg. Bruh. She, look, okay, so here's the thing, right? Um, with Triple Paul in charge, I have tempered my expectations for people leaving the Fed and resigning with the Fed. However, they were in her hometown last weekend at a pay-per-view with a huge women's angle and a dog shit women's championship match where they could have used that boost. And they didn't fucking send her out there. She's not, she's not with them. There's no way. There is no. no way that WWE did not think, let's put Sasha Banks out there in her hometown, return to a pay-per-view. Like, there's no way. I'm sorry. There's no way she is under contract with them. And they, like, if if she didn't return at Survivor Series and she's still with the company, they're fucking stupid. Because <laughs> that was the time. They really needed her to go out there after that Rousey match. Um, but they didn't. So I don't know. And I've watched this segment and I'm just putting these pieces together and I'm like, am I reaching here? I don't think I am, Jeff. I don't think I am. Not at all, bro. Not fucking at all. You just gave me like goosebumps and like even my eyes started watering a little bit. So that's something to think about. You know what, Coop? I also think of like Mike. I love that movie as a kid. Like it, like it. I haven't watched it in like twenty years. Juas saying Rumble, bro. Juas, look respectfully, respectfully, like completely respectfully. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> respectfully, I, I I love Juas. I think he's great. I think it's kind of ironic that neither he nor the coach accepted our invite to come onto the show. Um, to address the number one contendership match at uh, Winter is Coming. And because of that, I'm actually going to be making another booking announcement, but I will make that next week on the podcast. All right. We will get promos from them hopefully soon. It's okay. Jeff, you don't even know about my other booking my other booking decision. You'll I don't. I've given you free reign for the rest of the 2022. And, you know, I think see where it I goes. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Juhas, you were invited last week, bro. What are you talking about? You were you and you and you and Coach were both invited to show up on the podcast this week, uh, and, and talk the show, but also uh, address your opponent. Oh my God, Coog just gave us a new word for mm-hmm. the people the a for the WWE stands. Oh, I like that. Vincells. Oh, dude, I love it. I, like <laughs> I fucking love it, Coog. <laughs> Anyway, oh, if, if she shows up to AEW, the Vincels are going to lose their shit and the hate will be nuclear. Absolutely. Look, I'm just saying, man, I'm trying to be realistic about this. I'm trying to set my expectations reasonably. But this segment, and like, keep in mind, this segment didn't do anything else but what I said. Like, it, it was, there was nothing else to this segment. Apart from the fact that she said that she can make anyone a baddie, like she controls who the baddies are. Like other than that, there was nothing else to this segment. She came out, said she was there was no one that matched her star power. She wore money to the ring, and she addressed Bow Wow, and Bow Wow said, "I'll see you soon." Uh, dude, I don't know. I don't know. That was yeah. Winter is yeah. coming has historically been 
a huge show. They haven't done a winter is coming where they don't have something huge happen at this show. I'm just saying. Holy shit. All right, man. So uh, back to the Bow Wow part, whatever he said in his little promo there, I didn't even understand what he said. He said, um, he said that he didn't forget about the like the issues that they had, and now that he's done touring, he has free time so that he'll see her soon. Okay. So yeah, he, he was wrapping up his tour, and now he's available to show up with, uh, with maybe his, uh, his relatives, you know what I mean? Yeah. Are they related? Oh my god, is he gonna bring Sasha? <laughs> is that where we're going with Bow Wow? Oh my god. Well, I mean, that's how you get buzz. It's gonna make so much sense, dude. Keep in mind, Snoop Dogg. Huge age. Yeah. It, yeah. He's been on the show twice. Like <clears throat> he is a legitimate fan of the product. So I don't know. Dude, I can't believe I missed that. Sorry, Jeff. It's why I'm here. That is why you're here, man. That is absolutely. All right. So next up, we had a super freaking hilarious segment with the acclaimed and daddy ass. Daddy ass was being a drill sergeant and Anthony Bowens was answering his questions. You know, um, he asks, why are you not on the show tonight? And he says, "Cause everybody loves the acclaim, sir, and nobody wants to face us, sir." This was this was perfect, man. I I wonder how many takes it took for them to like figure out what they wanted to do here tonight, but I bet it was one, and it, it came out perfect. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, really funny segment. Um, they said they're gonna face the second best tag team in AEW, um, but I think the Young Bucks are busy. So, are we talking about FTR? Yeah, they're probably talking about FTR. I hope so. All right, next up was time for the main event. Uh, let's get the Coog's uh, message here real quick. The Coog says, before anybody accuses me of hating Stanford, I gave them 31 years of fandom left in 2011 for personal reasons and glad I left. They had their chance, but it was time to move on. Absolutely. Uh, I think uh, Rome and I both follow that sentiment, um, but at different times. Rome, what was your year? About 18, 19? Uh, 17, I believe. 17? Yeah, mine well, was I'm about... Like, I was, it was like... So, when AEW came around, I wasn't watching regularly, but the time where I left forever, like I'm done done, was uh, Goldberg beating The Fiend. That was the yes. moment. So I think that was early 2019, I think, um, okay. where I was just like, you know what? Nah, I'm done with this. Like, I was already kind of phasing out. Uh, I was already miserable for years prior. Like, I, there wasn't, like, an alternative. So it was just kind of like it was what I watched, but I was already, like, phasing out. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's crazy. Some people who I don't want to name names and I don't want to cause drama, there are some people that, you know, they don't understand that, you know, having an opinion, like having experienced something for decades, you know, is enough to give you a, an educated opinion about things. So when you have an opinion about things, you know, it, it's, it's okay. It's fine. Yeah. Fuck that guy. He's yeah. gone. And you know, my, uh, yeah. mine was this year where I completely cut them off. You know, I was trying to keep giving them benefit and all that, but 
it just, it just, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it anymore. Tried as much as I could, but nope. <laughs> I, and I think that's the thing people don't understand about fans like us. I don't hate them because I chose to, like, I don't hate them because it's fun to hate them. I don't hate them because it's cool to hate them. I haven't always hated them. They made me hate them. They, yeah. they made me this way. Like, this was not a, like, 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 I could go upstairs, right? And I have, like, I have WWE shirts, like, packed away that I used to have and used to wear regularly because I used to be a fan of theirs. I, they're all packed away now except for my, my I, I do on occasion wear my Daniel Bryan shirts because I still support Bryan Danielson. And I do still keep my CM Punk WWE shirts in rotation. But obviously with his AEW shirts, they don't get nearly as much time, you know, usage as they used to. Yeah. The only WWE shirt I still own is a John Cena shirt, but it's the one that I bought when purple, like when we first met before we were married, um, she took me to a Monday night raw at the Wells Fargo center. And that's the shirt that I bought. So it's just kept for like sentimental, you know? Yeah. And see, that, yeah, that was a terrible night when they had Mysterio, the champion for one hour and then Cena came and took the belt from him. Yeah. I remember that. That was fucking terrible. Yeah. Horrible. All right, so here we go with the uh, main event, the Elite versus Death Triangle, match number three of seven. Um, the Game Elite three. still using Wayward Son. Game three. Game three. Game Thank three. Thank you. Please call it Game three. Thank you. I was actually going to text you earlier and be like, because uh, you said match three on, on the uh, video description, but I, I was yeah. like, it's not, like, I'll let it go this time. But Jeff, uh, moving <laughs> forward, please make sure it is uh, Game four uh, and onward, please. I do that for the search algorithm. People are searching matches, match number, so, you know. All right, I guess. I wrote on Twitter that I know. They were referring to this as game three, so. Yeah. Um. So the elite attack on the ramp, trying to get the heads up, Uh. you know, if, if the uh, Death Triangle are going to cheat both times to get their wins, I figure the elite are going to try to do whatever they can. And they fought for a good five minutes outside the ring. Uh, we went through a whole commercial break with them fighting outside the ring. Um, Kenny finally tells everybody, like, look, we got to get the match started. He yells at everyone that the bell hasn't even rang yet. They get the bell rung, and we get another absolute banger, man. Right off the bat, Rick Knox gets uh, knocked out by Nick Jackson doing his uh, tope spot through the ropes. Um I thought we were going to start seeing a whole bunch of shenanigans when that happened, but it only took Rick a few minutes to get back up. <laughs> um, Rick gets back up, gets in the ring, and we have ourselves an absolute banger. Um, one of my favorite spots in the match was the stereo moonsaults by the Death Triangle. Uh, everybody did a moonsault off the same top rope. Uh, one person, I think it was Pac, went to the inside of the ring. And both of the Lucha Brothers went to the outside of the ring. Oh, it was just incredible, man. Um, I don't think this one lived up to the first two, but it is absolutely right there with those two. I mean, you could say all three have been just as good as each other, but I think the first two may eclipse this one just a tad. Uh, what, what did you think about that? Uh, I would say that I, I hold them all in around the same regard. Um, I thought the first match was so far their best one, though. Um, but again, bias for being there alive. Yeah, being know. there, yeah. It's always different. Um, but no, I mean, I, it's also really awesome that, you know, these guys are so talented that it's, 
these guys are having different matches week in and week out. Like, they're not doing the same spots over and over again. Like, they're constantly doing something different, and each match so far has had its own feel. Um, and I thought that that was uh, just really awesome. Yeah, the Coog uh, loved this match as well. He's like, they could have done this for the entire two hours, this Lucha Heaven. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely amazing. You know, the Lucha style is extremely fun to watch right now, especially with six guys that are so good at it. You know what I mean? Um, and they really are having a different match every time here. Uh, you know, it's just incredible to see the body of work that these guys put in. Yeah. Uh, cut to your screen real quick. All right. Thank you. Just need a second or something. I got it. All right. So, uh, we also had an avalanche Falcon arrow to Kenny by pack, which was absolutely insane to me. Um, off the top rope Falcon arrow freaking pack looked like he dropped Kenny straight on his freaking head. Um, you know, Nick, Nick Jackson takes an absolute beating from pack. Uh, the Lucha brothers hit their, um, I forget what that thing's called. The graveyard pile driver or whatever he calls it. Um, he kicks out Nick or I'm sorry. Uh, pack goes for the Falcon arrow or the black arrow. And Nick puts the knees up, catching Pac directly in the face on that face mask that he's got going uh, because of his broken nose. And Pac sold this like he got knocked out cold, like absolutely just annihilated. Um, Pac rolls over, Nick rolls him up and gets the one, two, three. And everybody was absolutely shocked for the finish on this one. Um, so was I, I was thinking that the death triangle, were going to go up three to nothing. Um, and you know, um, something Kenny says afterwards here made me think that that might've been supposed to happen, but they kind of audibled maybe, but not too sure. Uh, but Kenny gets on the mic and says, you know, I'm, I can finally close out, uh, you know, a show here. It's been a long time. And Kenny says, you know, a sweep's not happening while the cleaner's around. And now we're going to have a sweep the other way around. Now, if you're going to say something like that, it makes me feel like there was supposed to be a 3-0. Like, if you were thinking a sweep was going to happen, there's usually a 3-0 first. But, you know, I get it. Yeah, your video cut out on me again, so I swapped back to mine. I think you are back. You should be good. Okay. There you go. Um, Now, you say everyone was surprised, but Jeff, I I, I told you last week, the Elite won this one. Yeah, I know. Now next week, or not next week, I'm sorry, winner is coming. You'll probably see uh, Death Triangle win, and then you'll have the Elite go the rest of the way, I would I would, uh, I would, predict. Oh, man, yeah, absolutely, Coog. Kenny looks 100%. I was saying that last week. I was like, you know, I have no idea whether he is at 100%, but it is absolutely great to see him in the ring, and it doesn't look like he has lost a single step. If anything, he looks better than ever. Um I can't wait to see his match with Osprey at Wrestle Kingdom. Oh my god! Uh, I think Wrestle Kingdom happens at like four in the morning for us or something like that. We I might have to do some sort of a. I'm I'm really torn because I really want to watch Wrestle Kingdom. I do, I do, but it's gonna be at three in the morning. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna take a look and see what time it is. Um, we might do something for it. We might do a review for it where we'll watch it, you know, like in the morning on a Saturday or something and then do the review, but we'll see what we got to do for it. 
Yeah, like, see, that's the problem with me, though, is, like, I spend a lot of time online, so I don't want to be spoiled. So, like... Yeah, see, true. Part of me has to figure out if I want to do this or not, if I want to... Will we be able yeah. to see it live? Oh, yeah, you can watch it live. You just gotta... You can't... It's not on pay-per-view, but I think you have to... I think you can order it through New Japan's website or something like that. I We have to find that, figure it out. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll check it out. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind cracking a Red Bull at uh, 3 in the morning if I got to one time, you know? We'll see. <laughs> yeah. That would be the craziest thing ever, a wrestling show starting at 3 a.m. and then going to, like, 7 or 8 in the morning. My God. That'd be nuts. But this was an excellent, excellent episode of AEW Dynamite. Felt like it was extremely well-written and thought out. Um, definitely not rewritten 20 minutes before the show started. Uh, and man, I'm so glad you noticed the reference of Jade's outfit being money and her saying that there is no star that can compare to her. I mean, I don't feel like there is any doubt now that we're getting Sasha in AEW. I don't think there is any doubt. Say it, man. Like I don't, I, I really have tempered expectations for these types of things. In fact, I've been, I've been on this podcast and said, oh, yeah, she's going back to WWE. I don't. Yeah. And I kept being like, no, no. <laughs> I can't watch this segment tonight and just be like, no, 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 no. That, that's not what this is. Because then, then what is it? Like, what's the payoff here? Who's the payoff? Yeah. Is it Soraya? Yeah, absolutely. Soraya's cool. getting ready to feud with, um, with Jamie, it seems like. Like, okay, and, and Statlander's probably not back for another six months. So, like, what's the plan here? What's what's the play? So, I don't know. There, There's just, there's too many things. The stars align way too well. Yeah. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and this women's division, man, is just being elevated more and more mm-hmm. every month, every week. If this happens, holy shit. I mean... If you look at the difference in the women's divisions right now, we have one division where fans are calling for the firing of Ronda Rousey, and we have another division that's just getting better and better every week. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm loving, I'm absolutely loving AEW's women's division right now. Willow, one of the best signings of the year. I mean, this is just getting better and better. Yeah, all the folks hating on that Jade segment, hundred percent going to be eating crow soon. Hundred percent. I just feel like a little bit more effort should have been done on Bow Wow's end. He might be super busy and they don't have time to do anything, but a quick little film segment in a backstage room, I get it. But it did look a little odd. I did, it was like, where are you? You know. Well, what's funny, Jeff, is you can really just see uh, the duality of Fed fans on Twitter because, so not tonight, but after Sasha didn't show up on Saturday, Fed Twitter's like Triple Paul shouldn't even bother to sign her like she's she's a uh, a really bad talent and she's just gonna walk out on them again and dude yeah. i was gonna say watch how fast people go from sasha's amazing to oh she was oh, never yeah. that good if she shows up in AEW. watch how fast they flip that shit oh yeah it's already happened there are so many fed fans on twitter who are just like she's not worth signing she's not very good um, it was all Charlotte and Becky that got the women's division where they were, or and Bailey. Just complete trash, complete trash. 
Dude, imagine thinking that Sasha Banks is not that good. Like, do you forget the Bailey Sasha like takeover match? I think they've had two, three bangers. I, I, I remember those matches. Those I know. Right. I'm, I'm kind of talking to them. You know what I mean? Like, it's what is wrong with these people? Well, Jeff, I don't know if you know this, but apparently, I don't uh, compliment non AEW things unless I'm doing it on a live stream for clout. I don't know if you know this. Yeah, absolutely. But apparently, that's what I do. Apparently, I'm a clout chaser who, you know. I liked I liked Roman versus Brock at SummerSlam a little bit, but I only said that I liked it because it was a live stream. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fucking stupid. So I'm stupid. just showing off the Riho one of a thousand for uh, the Coog there. His favorite three are Sheeta, Rosa, and Riho. Um, I don't have a Thunder Rosa figure, but there is Sheeta's figure right there with the championship belt as well. Um, yeah, those are. I wouldn't say my three top favorites, but those are definitely three of my top 10. I absolutely love Riho. She's amazing for me. Um, this whole women's division is fantastic. I can't speak highly enough of them. And if, if we get Mercedes Monet against Jade Cargill, oh my God. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> wow. All right, so great episode of Dynamite. What do we have so far for Rampage? All right, so uh, this coming Friday on Rampage, we have uh, an All-Atlantic Championship match for a uh, uh, Lumberjack match. Orange Cassidy versus um, QT Marshall. Man, sorry, this sore throat's killing me right now. Yeah, mine was getting... I, I'm pretty sure I sound different by the end of this one. <clears throat> yeah, apologies to everyone uh, listening and watching. Um, we will hear from Swerve in our glory, which is surprising. Um, or maybe not, depending on the that promo last week. Cole Carter will face Darby Allen, um, because Cole Carter jumped Darby Allen two weeks ago before fall yep. of the year. Um, Renee Paquette will sit down with Soraya, and Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett will take on Private Party. Um, we will also hear from the acclaimed and Daddy Ass. Excellent. Uh, for Dynamite, we have the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royale. Um, people who are shown on the on the graphic are Matt Hardy, the Captain Sean Dean, Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, Ethan Page, Dalton Castle, and Jungle Boy Jack Perry. I was doing the delete thing, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking at the picture. Well, no, I just, on stream, it didn't quite look like the delete thing. I just wanted to point out that's what I was doing. <laughs> oh, well, let me wait five seconds and see on the stream. I'm at an odd angle to my camera, and it just oh, happened to look not. Jeffrey. Yeah, it didn't happen to look uh, the, the best from my angle that I'm sitting at this camera. <laughs> Somebody's going to have to jiff that. Oh, no. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. Okay. Well, it's on the internet forever, so. It is, yep. Uh, Jamie Hayter will have to sit down with Tony Schiavone. Jake Hager and Daniel Garcia will take on... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Jake Hager and Daniel Garcia will take on Claudio Castanoli and Wheeler Yuta. They advertise that winter is coming is uh, December 14th, and more matches for Dynamite will be announced on Rampage. 
Awesome. So, um, what do we got? One more dynamite until winter is coming. Yep. So that should be a great, uh, you know, pre winter is coming dynamite. I guess it'll be the, what do we call that? The, the go, go home, home show for winter is coming, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would call rampage the go home show for winter. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. All right, man. Uh, well, that should do it for tonight. We both got some uh, pretty sore throats going on here. Uh, why don't you go ahead and close us out? All right. Well, this has been episode 95 of the Broken Tables podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving us a like and a subscribe or a follow, depending on where you find us. Thank you to, for uh, everyone hanging out. Uh, December 14th is the Coogs B-Day. Let's oh, go. I got to write that down. I got to remember. Yeah. Um, but thank you to the Coog for hanging out with us here live on the Broken Tables podcast. Thank you to everybody in the future, like the coach, checking us out. Uh, thank you to everyone who's not listening to us or watching us on YouTube. We are also on Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and Anchor. You can follow us at our social medias in the description below. We go live on YouTube following every single Dynamite, Rampage, and even pay-per-views. Final Battle is December 10th. Uh, we will do a show for that as well. Uh, hope to see everybody on Friday. See you guys next time. All right. Well, you guys know what that means. We will see you guys next time. And until then, top guys out. And of course, the button doesn't work. But have a good have a good night, guys.